It's Friday, September 21st, and from the Pennsylvania Environmental Council, it's Pennsylvania Legacies. I'm Josh Rollerson. Well, there's just a week left before the Federal Land and Water Conservation Fund is set to expire. After more than 50 years of providing funding for conservation, outdoor recreation, historic preservation, and other purposes across the country, as I record this, the fund is still awaiting congressional reauthorization. And again, if it doesn't come before the September 30th deadline, the Land and Water Conservation Fund will sunset. There is a bit of good news to report. Legislation to permanently reauthorize LWC has been introduced and has in fact cleared the House Natural Resources Committee. That happened just last week. Since then, more high-level public figures, including Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf, have come out in support of the bill. All good news, but that will be small consolation if in the end the bill is not passed by the full House and Senate before September 30th. So today on the podcast, we're making a drop everything final push to reauthorize LWCF before it's too late. And to that end, we're crisscrossing the Commonwealth to bring you a series of short conversations about the importance of federal funding for conservation here in Pennsylvania. We'll touch on everything from the economic value of outdoor recreation to the role of neighborhood parks in the life of our communities, and also a few of the lesser-known ancillary benefits of preserving and improving public lands for things like public health, flood prevention, and, yes, emergency management. We begin in the Lehigh Valley, where volunteers with the Appalachian Mountain Club help maintain a 15-mile stretch of the Appalachian Trail. AMC's Pennsylvania office is in Bethlehem, along the banks of the Monocacy Creek. I met up with Director of Conservation Policy Engagement Mark Zakutansky for a stroll through Monocacy Park. Yeah, Monocacy Park was uh, founded here in the city of Bethlehem, and it was improved by the Works Progress Administration during uh, the Great Depression and times after that. And the park that we're looking at today is a great community resource. It's uh, located within walking distance and biking distance to the center of, of Bethlehem. And it's a, it's a great opportunity for residents to get outside. Right up the road, there's a swimming pool, ball fields, a golf course, and uh, just a, a great recreation um, um, hotspot here in the city of Bethlehem. Sites like this one have benefited from funding from the Land and Water Conservation Fund. Not only does money go to open space protection and uh, protecting wilderness areas, for example, funds also get applied to provide grants to communities to improve parks and park facilities building ball fields, improving swimming pools, making sure that walking trails and uh, community assets like this one are available, open to the public, and providing high-quality recreation is one of the many uses of the Land and Water Conservation Fund. Uh, tell me a little bit about the work that AMC does with the Appalachian Trail and how the LWCF figures in that. The Appalachian Mountain Club, as I mentioned, is a membership-based organization, and here in Pennsylvania we have thousands of members across the Delaware Valley region. They help to maintain our trails, and one of the most important assets that they maintain is the Appalachian Trail here in Pennsylvania. Um, for example, we maintain 15 miles of it with volunteer uh, labor. We go out, we clear the trail corridor, we repaint blazes, uh, we help make sure that access points are open and available to the public. That 15-mile section that we maintain is part of the over 2,000-mile Appalachian National Scenic Trail from Georgia to Maine. And across the entire course of the Appalachian Trail, the Land and Water Conservation Fund has been instrumental to protecting the trail experience. Um, once the trail was established, and over time it became popular, the trail experience uh, was protected through adjacent open space protection. Uh, federal funds have been used by the National Park Service to protect the Appalachian Trail corridor. That's the period of land that borders the Appalachian Trail. So when you think about that trail experience, um, that trail experience is rugged and it's a, a wilderness sense and that's provided because that open space has been protected along the corridor. 
And uh, that corridor is instrumental not just for um, active recreation on the trail, but also for wildlife and for scenic views. And, and uh, that's the kind of experience that we're seeking to ensure that uh, future hikers can have on the Appalachian Trail. Most exciting about the Appalachian Trail Protection is a recent project that closed in Pennsylvania, and that's part of the Cherry Valley National Wildlife Refuge. This land borders the Appalachian Trail as part of that corridor that I, that I previously mentioned. Cherry Valley National Wildlife Refuge was a, a new national wildlife refuge established about 15 years ago, um, thanks to great congressional support from our members in eastern Pennsylvania, such as Charlie Dent and, and many others. But once a federal land unit like a new national wildlife refuge is established, uh, that only allows the federal government to start protecting open space within that boundary. Um, so that first major acquisition as part of Cherry Valley was a 1,300-acre uh, new acquisition that was added to that refuge adjacent to the Appalachian Trail just last year. Um, there's 3,500 acres in Cherry Valley National Wildlife Refuge that are available for purchase today. And we're simply waiting on the funding from the federal government through the Land and Water Conservation Fund to make that project a reality and to complete that corridor along the Appalachian Trail between um, Cherry Valley and the Wind Gap area and what is now the Delaware Water Gap National Recreation Area. What can people do to prevent that from happening? There's a lot of momentum today in Congress to reauthorize and fully fund the Land and Water Conservation Fund, but there are obstacles and that's why we're here today. At the end of September, the Land and Water Conservation Fund will expire, but now is the best time for citizens across the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania to speak up about the value of open space, parks and trails in their community, and talk to their members of Congress about the Land and Water Conservation Fund. There's legislation in the House of Representatives and in the Senate that would permanently reauthorize and permanently dedicate full funding to the Land and Water Conservation Fund. If those bills were to pass, uh, this issue would not come up in the future. We would ensure that that funding could continue to flow to important projects all across Pennsylvania, but also all across the country. So I encourage every person in, in the Commonwealth and across our country to speak to their member of Congress, call your senators, call your member in the House of Representatives, encourage them to hold a vote on the Land and Water Conservation Fund and ensure that that legislation is passed today and signed by the president before September 30th. You talked about the value of an asset like Monocacy Park for sort of community life, and that's um, hard to overstate. But there's another aspect of this value proposition, too, which is economic. Uh, could you talk a little bit about the outdoor recreation industry in this part of the state and how it depends on the kind of support that LWCF provides? Absolutely. Uh, outdoor recreation is, is a driving factor in the economies of many rural places in the Commonwealth and elsewhere across the country. The Appalachian Mountain Club, for example, we lead outdoor trips, um, uh, hiking trips, camping trips, paddling trips all across the country, and we bring visitors to places that are desperately in need of, of economic revitalization and tourism dollars. Um, the Land and Water Conservation Fund has helped protect new areas in the Delaware Water Gap National Recreation Area. It's gone to improving access points. Um, there's a new boat ramp that was recently built in the Delaware Water Gap to provide motorized and non-motorized boating opportunities. That draws people from all across the region to visit the Delaware Water Gap and spend their money in nearby communities. They purchase outdoor equipment so that they can enjoy the outdoors. Um, our outdoor recreation economy in Pennsylvania is strong and can continue to be strong with the Land and Water Conservation Fund. Elsewhere across the country, many more rural areas, including in central Pennsylvania, are heavily reliant on tourism dollars. Even the hunting and fishing season draws a substantial tourism load, and uh, opportunities to hunt and fish on public lands are made possible thanks to the Land and Water Conservation Fund. As a resident of the area, as somebody that spends time outdoors, what does it mean to you personally? 
The Landwater Conservation Fund means a lot to me personally. I'm an avid whitewater paddler to begin with. In fact, that's how I injured my shoulder this last weekend. One of my favorite rivers is in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. It's called the Tohican Creek. The takeout where you get off the river at the Tohican Creek is Tohican County Valley Park, protected by the Land and Water Conservation Fund. So near and dear to my passion in outdoor recreation are places like the Tohican Creek Valley where I can enjoy paddling right here in Eastern Pennsylvania, close to home. People drive many hours to come enjoy the Tohican Creek. Uh, the Delaware Water Gap National Recreation Area is a favorite place for me to take my family. We go picnicking, we go hiking, we go on overnight canoe trips down the river. And uh, many areas in the Delaware Water Gap have been protected with the Land and Water Conservation Fund. And my family and my wife, we also go hiking on the Appalachian Trail every year and we enjoy the South Mountain area. We enjoy the Appalachian Trail here in Eastern Pennsylvania. And as I mentioned, that trail experience is made possible thanks to the Land and Water Conservation Fund. And I've got a toddler at home, he's only 15 months old. We go to our local community park all the time where he can enjoy the playground, the swing sets, where he can learn to play baseball and other team sports. And we're looking forward to teaching him all those great opportunities to uh, interact with his friends and enjoy the outdoors in a healthy environment. And our local park was improved with funding from the Land and Water Conservation Fund. So it's near and dear to my heart. And I think as people in, in Pennsylvania discover many of the places that have been protected or improved with the Land and Water Conservation Fund, they'll understand how important it is to permanently reauthorize this program. All right, well, Mark, thanks so much for talking with me today. It's really been a pleasure, Josh. Thank you. On to central Pennsylvania now. Joe Ellen Litz is a strong advocate for conservation, both as a Lebanon County Commissioner and as president of the Suatara Watershed Association. As somebody that works with the Watershed Association, what is the value to you of something like the Land and Water Conservation Fund? Well, um, you know, there are places like we're at today, the Swatara Watershed Park here in Lebanon County, that is along the Swatara Creek, and it was in private ownership. We had met the owners many years ago, and um, when they became of retirement age and decided to sell it, we had to look for funds in order, we felt we had to look for funds in order to put this into public use. So we were very successful at that time in securing funds from both uh, the Department of Conservation and Natural Resources. It may have been through Growing Greener, I'm not sure, but also the PA Fish and Boat Commission put up some funds. So we actually have a 15-foot easement, the entire length of the 33 acres uh, along the Swatara Creek where people can come and fish. And they, we have a boat access so they can launch canoes and kayaks. It gets used quite heavily. Um, our vice president, Ben Miller, also has a, a kayak service that he does, and that's just his, what he does, he's, his passion, and he utilizes the launch, and there are many individuals. Uh, you don't have to pay. Um, we do have a sunrise to sunset policy, so you would have to maybe just park outside the gate after hours to be sure you don't get locked in. <laughs> you mentioned one of your colleagues with the watershed has a business that uh, is dependent on outdoor recreation. Mm -hmm. How important is it uh, to have resources like these for, for economic reasons in a community like Lebanon and the surrounding areas? It is phenomenal. They help bring visitors and families looking for active kinds of outdoor activities. Um, it's easy to go to some place where uh, Hershey Park's a great example. You know, wonderful venue, but it's all structured. When you're out on the water, it is more natural. 
and it brings money here. People stay either in campsites or hotels. They, they eat here. Um, if it's buying groceries in the grocery store or going out to a restaurant, they buy their gasoline here. It brings money in. And also, the businesses that locate here look for things for their employees to do. This recreation is a big deal to them because it gives uh, wellness activities for exercise. The water itself is so tranquil and normally, if it's not flooding, <laughs> and uh, it just is good for your well-being mentally and physically. And it also raises an awareness in people of the need to take care of our clean water. That has been our mantra for many years, uh, clean water. What we do all ultimately either directly improves the water quality or educates people so that they too become stewards and spokespersons for the Swatara Creek, for the source of a drinking water for Lebanon Water Authority and PA American Water Company and United Water Company. So by uh, acquiring land to conserve, uh, expand this resource, you bring more people into uh, enjoying it and more people kind of buy into the, the idea that they have some responsibility to keep this water clean and keep this uh, an enjoyable experience for everybody. That's the short version, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Is there also, can you point to a, a more direct relationship in terms of like for every mile of stream bank that you're able to conserve and protect, does that keep some calculable quantity of pollution out of the creek? Well, it certainly does. Um, one of the things that we are dealing with heavily is um, stormwater runoff. A place like this, we have stormwater runoff, but we have trees that not only help to filter the rain as it comes down and soften it as it hits the ground, but provides leaf cover that absorbs and um, lets that groundwater infiltrate slowly. They have roots and it helps to hold the bank in place. So again, preserving land along creeks is monumental. It's been a rough summer for flooding in this part of the state, and we can see the evidence of that around us right now. How does conservation potentially uh, help with flood prevention, flood mm -hmm. control? Yeah. Well, what you will find is that in a flood-prone area, you are not allowed to build. They don't give you building permits. And again, I'm crossing hats here. But the bottom line is um, our office is a good example. It is up on stilts, and that is to keep it above the, the floodplain 90% of the time. Of course, we've had some thousand-year floods this last week, so that, that's a little hard to predict. But um, there's so many ways that conservation can, can um, help the environment, and especially along a creek, because when they build up to the creeks, again, that MS4, the storm sewers, they're just creating more impervious surface. So the water, more water than normal is running into the creek, raising the levels even higher. Um, with the trees along the creek, the water temperature stays lower, so it evaporates less, so we have more water. It's good for the fish, it's good for the people, it's good for recreation, the list goes on. And again, everything is related. Everything is. Uh, water, you know, for human beings, in my humble opinion, Water is the number one issue that we have to deal with. And if we can't get together on clean water, then there's something wrong. And conservation also has an important role to play in emergency management considerations, yes? That's right. Um, when we started this project, we never dreamed that what we're doing would be important for public safety in a sense that emergency management actually came to us. Um, the fire companies out here in the northern end of Lebanon County have united as one group. 
and they saw the value right away because the Swatara Creek flows through the northern end of Lebanon County. Our goal was when we started to establish an access point every seven miles. Those accesses allow boats, emergency rescue, to get in on the water between the bridges. As the water comes up in a flood, it closes the pass underneath the bridge. And there's all kinds of debris collects there, so you don't know what you can't see. It's like an iceberg on the Titanic. So um, going between the bridges is extremely important. With our accesses, we have opened up almost the entire 60 miles of the Swatara Creek to emergency management for search and rescue. I read somewhere uh, in this past flood on Friday, there were 14 water rescues. A lot of the municipalities take it upon themselves. The local fire companies have purchased boats. I think we have five boats in the county and there's a hovercraft of some sort down in Myerstown. But the bottom line is search and rescue, tremendously important um, benefit to having a water trail and maintaining it and keeping these accesses open to the public and especially to our first responders. And one more instance of the way that investing in conservation pays all these other dividends in ways you wouldn't ever think of. I know. Like I said, when we first started, I absolutely never dreamed of some of the benefits of this water trail. Again, it's, I talk about people and citizens and farmers and businesses and government all working together. That's what it's all about. We'll wrap up this road trip just outside Pittsburgh with a visit to the offices of Jeffrey Associates in the village of Indianola near the Allegheny River. Pete Jeffrey owns the company, which designs and installs playgrounds all over western Pennsylvania and western New York. They partner with equipment manufacturer Playworld Systems, based in Lewisburg, to build 100% made-in-PA playground facilities. As you'll hear, both businesses serve primarily local governments and school districts, which in turn rely heavily upon federal funding from LWCF and other sources to create safe, welcoming spaces where kids can get fresh air and exercise and socialize with peers. Here's my conversation with Pete Jeffrey. Playworld is a uh, basic manufacturer and uh, a lead manufacturer in the United States of playground equipment. We're uh, a rep agency and a, an installer and uh, a service agency for them. And how many folks do you employ here? We have a total in this weather that we have right now of about 16 or 17. How many counterpart companies that do the same kind of work you do in other areas are there? I think there's about 30, 33, 34 uh, throughout the United States for Playworld. Is Playworld the only or one of the few manufacturers in the U.S.? They're one of the few United States manufacturers. There are some from out of the states, uh, across the sea, but uh, they're they're a lead manufacturer. They're one of maybe five. Do they make most of the equipment in in Pennsylvania? Yes, they do. Yes, they do. How many people are employed in Pennsylvania doing the kind of work that your company does? I would say probably as many as, uh, I don't know, a couple hundred people here in Pennsylvania. And, and maybe in every state, smaller states, something less. Bigger states, more. That's including every last person that's turning the last bolts and nuts to each thing or digging the holes or, or, or spreading mulch underneath it. 
And then what about on the manufacturing side? Do you have an idea how many people are employed up in Lewisburg building these? You know, I, I, I want to say about 150. Tell me about a typical day on an install job. What does it look like? Well, uh, usually an install can range anywhere from three to six days. And so each day can have a little bit different aspect or production process, usually laying out the area, making sure everything fits properly, digging holes, drilling holes for the concrete footers. All of this equipment is fastened down. And uh, by the time the second day or third day hits for that matter, uh, we're already starting to put in the posts, the support parts of the system in concrete and uh, leveling everything. And by the fourth, fifth day, all the cute little fancy things are starting to be added to it. And hopefully in three to five days, it's, it's complete. How's business lately? Are you guys doing a lot of work? It's, it's, it's excellent. It's uh, thank God and, uh, and everybody that's, it's, uh, that's caring about playgrounds for the kids. That's, that's really what it's all about. Uh, a lot of people do care and uh, somehow they come up with the revenue and whatever to make it happen. Your customers are mainly municipalities, schools? Exactly. Municipalities, school districts, certain developers for homes, counties, you name it. You alluded to the fact that it's not necessarily easy for these customers to come up with the resources to, you know, to install playgrounds. What do you know about the kind of financial constraints your customers are up against? Well, in most cases, the budgets are not really able to support the kind of playgrounds we're talking about. We're talking 40, 50, 60, 80, 150 thousand dollars. So, in many cases, the people themselves are out raising money. It's 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 great to see how they become united over this kind of thing, and they take title to it. Along with that, there's uh, agencies, state and even federal agencies which will award grants to help out, DCNR for example. Usually the agencies are the ones who help a township, a borough, a school district, an elementary school even, and uh, in many cases they're looking for sharing. In other words, if you have 50,000, they'll add 50 and make it happen. They're looking for you to participate. And that's the kind of thing where if you've got a larger source of revenue from like the federal level, it really is critical to leverage the local fundraising and the local volunteering, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and the federal is, is very often linked right to needs and folks with needs as opposed to just uh, fund centers. They're, they're actually looking to make sure that kids have Head Start programs and things like that have playgrounds to, to learn the social skills and just have fun. Playing together is a social experience and the social experience is one where they're communicating with each other and when you take that a step further uh, it means that they haven't gotten lost in electronic games and things like that that can have them parked in a seat somewhere in the house but they are understanding and learning and liking their experiences with each other they're out in the sun, the air, the fresh air, it sinks in, it sinks in. I take it you like this work, is this a good job? Well, this is my 42nd year in this business, so does that help? <laughs> yeah, I guess I infer from that that it, something must be working for you. Yeah, it, it does, I, I love it, and I love that it's, it's just what you would think, it's people, it's parents, it's schools, it's professionals that are involved with kids. Not, nothing is absolutely perfect or easy, but I'll tell you what, if I can, at my age, 
get up every morning and look forward to what I'm doing. I, I attribute it to uh, what Playworld's created and, uh, and I'm part of it. You know, I have four kids and uh, they're in the business with me and six grandkids and a couple of those are already of age to, to be working summers between college here. That in itself is, is a really satisfying feeling. On the other hand, unless you're serving ice cream free out on the streets to every child you meet, nothing can compare to the smiles of the kids, the parents, the parents watching their kids. There's a lot involved in, in enjoying a playground. It's not a bunch of people shouting in unison happiness, although it could be that, but it's watching parents, grandparents watching their kids, the kids just having a ball with each other, and I'd say that causes you to sleep well at night. What is your message for elected leaders about their role in all of this? What do they need to know? Well, I, I, I would hope most of them feel the way we sort of do in our conversation right now. Everybody's looking for money and resources to do things all around. Don't forget the very environment. I don't mean just playgrounds. This is, this is a, a fun part of, of the environment, but the environment itself don't, don't forget it. It's a responsibility that you just can't let go. You let go, you won't have it. Well, Pete, thank you so much. It's a pleasure, honestly. Thank you very much. And that's it for this episode. Many thanks to Mark Zakutansky of the Appalachian Mountain Club, Joe Ellen Litz of the Swatara Watershed Association and the Lebanon County Commissioner's Office, and also Pete Jeffrey of Jeffrey Associates. All three are featured, among other voices, in a series of videos that we at PEC have put together as part of the nationwide campaign to reauthorize the Land and Water Conservation Fund. You can view those videos and find more information at pecpa.org slash LWCF. There you'll also find our handy interactive map of LWCF-funded sites in Pennsylvania, showing some, although not all, of the many places where the fund has made an impact in people's lives. The website also has information on how you can get in touch with your U.S. senators and House member to voice your support for the reauthorization bill. Please don't wait to make that call or to send that email. The Land and Water Conservation Fund is set to expire in a matter of days, and members of Congress really need to hear from their constituents in order to properly understand how important it is to pass this legislation immediately. Again, information on contacting your elected representatives and some suggestions of of the points you might want to make in that conversation can be found at pecpa.org slash lwcf. Thanks also to PAC's John Walliser, Frank McGuire, and Helena Catala, who all contributed to this project. Pennsylvania Legacies is a production of the Pennsylvania Environmental Council. We'll be back with another episode in two weeks. Until then, check out our back catalog at pecpa.org slash audio, where you can stream all past episodes. Lots of videos, information, and other resources to be found on the website as well. One more time, it's at PECPA.org. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at PECPA, and don't forget to sign up on the website for our monthly In Case You Missed It newsletter. For the Pennsylvania Environmental Council, I'm Josh Rollerson. Thanks for listening.